The Rational Apprentice podcast is linear rather than topical. This means that the podcast should be listened to in order. This also means that skipping episodes will prevent you from fully understanding the concepts being presented and may cause you to miss or misconstrue vital proofs. That being said, welcome to the Rational Apprentice podcast. Last time, I told you the story of Robinson and Crusoe. And at the end of my story, I asked you to consider the possible outcomes or endings for the story and to think about what the ramifications might be for each possible ending. Obviously, if you've not listened to the story, now would be a really good time to do that as you won't have context for what we're discussing today unless you do. Remember, the Rational Apprentice podcast is not timely. You're not going to miss anything topical by taking your time and making sure that you listen in order or even repeating your episodes. What we discuss here are evergreen topics, or subjects that don't fade away. They stay relevant regardless of how much time passes. So again, if you've not listened to the story, go ahead and do that before continuing, because right after the intro, we're going to jump directly into the possible endings and their respective ramifications. Hey, I'm Scotty, and welcome to the Rational Apprentice Podcast, where we discuss solutions to humanity's problems derived from the application of the scientific method. We also discuss and practice things like logic and logical argumentation, reasoning and evidence, the unknown, forgotten, or underappreciated scientists and philosophers in our history, and of course, the mind of a murder case of the week. At the end of our story, we had Robinson inside the house he built, protected from the coming winter with enough food, water, and firewood to last him until spring. And outside the house, we had Crusoe, who, despite refusing to help for three consecutive years, was demanding that Robinson once again bear the full burden of his maintenance. I don't know how to do that stuff, was always Crusoe's excuse, despite Robinson's repeated offers to show him how. So here, at the culmination of our story, we find that Robinson, understandably, is no longer willing to bear the burden of Crusoe and refuses to let him into the house and share the fruits of his labor. But the twist to the story is that we also find out that Crusoe has actually, finally, done something for himself. He's built himself a spear, with which he is now threatening Robinson. If you don't let me in, I'm going to kill you, he says. So, Assuming that Robinson is true to his word and refuses to allow Crusoe in to share the derivatives of his life, in other words, his property, and assuming that Crusoe is true to his word and intends to force the issue by killing, or at least attempting to kill Robinson, what are the possible outcomes here? Well, according to my calculations, there are three relevant endings to the story. There are, of course, more. I mean, aliens could come down from the sky or a rescue ship could suddenly turn up. Any bizarre event could occur that could dramatically change their situation. But all of those are outside the realm of the essence of our story. Assuming that the situation doesn't change, then what are we left with? Well, first, let's say that Crusoe is successful in killing Robinson. What happens then? Well, being as Robinson had enough provisions to last out the winter, we have to assume that all of those provisions and the house would be stolen by Crusoe, and Crusoe would have enough to last him until spring. But then what? What does Crusoe do about maintaining the house? 
What if weather damages the structure? What about gathering firewood? The story tells us that enough firewood was stored to last the winter. But what does Crusoe do after that point? He'll need firewood for the water still, the smoker, for cooking, for heat and light, any number of things. He's also stolen Robinson's handmade tools. How will he fix them if they break? Does he know how? How will he grow, dry, or smoke food so that he can store it? Does he know how to do that? I don't think so. So in the first scenario, we have a situation where Caruso has stolen an amount of life-sustaining resources. But they're finite. At some time in the near future, Caruso will have to work to replenish or repair those resources. Or he dies. It's as simple as that. But by murdering Robinson, Crusoe has increased his burden exponentially. Not only did Robinson represent a source of added manpower to reduce the amount of labor necessary to live, but Robinson was a wealth of knowledge when it came to performing all of those tasks. And without Robinson's primary property to guide him, Crusoe will have to innovate he will have to learn each and every one of those skills on his own, making mistakes and wasting labor, time, and materials along the way. But getting down to essentials, Crusoe will have to work. In the end, Crusoe is left with a simple choice, work or starve. Do you think that Crusoe will simply lie down and die? Or do you think that he will at least attempt to save his own life by working, regardless of his probable level of success. He's going to at least attempt to mimic Robinson and work. He may not succeed, but he will at the very least attempt to survive. And that, of course, means he will work. And, of course, as soon as the food, the water, the firewood run out, Crusoe will have a very large incentive to do so. Okay, what is the second possible outcome of our story? Well, let's say that Robinson is able to successfully defend himself and his property from any attack by Crusoe. Well, what happens then? Robinson continues on to produce more life-sustaining property and may eventually be rescued. Or he might even be able to rescue himself by building a boat. Crusoe, on the other hand, has a very different timeline ahead of him. Robinson's property has been denied to him, and Crusoe is now in a situation where, because the winter is already upon him, the available resources, raw resources, are scarce. Couple that with the fact that Crusoe's skills in shelter building, tool building, utility building, storage bin, smoker, water still, things of that nature. Crusoe's skills in designing and building those vital utilities is either non-existent or rudimentary at best. Crusoe, because of his irrational choices and his assumption that Robinson would continue to provide for him in perpetuity, leaves him in a very dire situation. Just as in the first possible outcome of our story, Crusoe was left with two choices, work or starve, or die from the elements, which is the same idea. And again, do you think that Crusoe will simply lie down and die? Or do you think that he will at least attempt to save his own life by working, regardless of his probable level of success? 
No, Crusoe will attempt to save his own life. And again, in this second possible ending, Crusoe will very soon, even sooner in fact than the first time, have a very large incentive to do so. All right, now, finally, what is the third possible ending to our story? Well, I see this third possible scenario being similar to the second with only a slight difference. What if Robinson is able to successfully defend himself and his secondary property from any attack by Crusoe and in the process winds up killing Crusoe? Well, in this case, the outcome is clear. Like the second ending, Robinson continues on to produce more life-sustaining property and may eventually be rescued. But as far as Crusoe is concerned, well, he's dead. His problem is solved. I suppose you could conclude that. But I doubt that this third ending was the preferred choice for either man. So now, while it's clear that we are considering human action, how does this tie into what we've been discussing in the, fa- in the, in the past few episodes of the Rational Apprentice podcast? Well, first, we have here three endings. The third ending, of course, leaves Crusoe with no choices. He's dead, and the story ends there. But the other two endings give Crusoe a choice between two options, work or starve. And because we all know that the postulate, all volitional beings live to pursue happiness, is true, and the two corollaries, all happiness is derived from the acquisition of property, and all volitional beings live to acquire property, are equally true, we must conclude that Crusoe, when faced with no other choices but these two, will, at the very least, attempt to survive. And that means he will work. He has no other choice. And irrespective of his unwillingness to do so, he will work. The second ending also ends with the same two options, work or starve. And again, when faced with these two choices, Crusoe will, at the very least, attempt to survive. And again, that means what? He will work. But let's consider the second corollary in more detail. All volitional beings live to acquire property. Now, don't fall into the trap of considering this corollary as akin to greed. Remember the definition of property in volitional science. Property is a volitional being's life and all non-procreative derivatives thereof. That means that your life is your property. It's not greedy to protect your own life. This means that your ideas, your beliefs, your innovations, your actions are your property. It's not greedy to protect any of those. And finally, this means that the fruits of your actions, your ideas, your beliefs, and innovations are also your property. And neither is it greedy to protect what you build or what you trade for with your own primary property. That's not greed. It's not greedy to protect that which would not exist without your efforts. It is, on the other hand, very greedy to take, to steal that which is clearly not yours. That is greed. Now, Crusoe has a singular goal with which to derive happiness, to acquire property. And he has three methods with which to do that. He can mooch that property. In other words, he can beg for it. He can steal the property. Or he can produce the property. 
Now, at the end of our story, Crusoe had failed or expended his ability to further beg from Robinson. Robinson was no longer willing to give away that which he had labored over. So if Robinson is successful at protecting himself from any attempted theft or attack by Crusoe, and as there are only two of them on the island, Crusoe cannot appoint or hire anyone to attack Robinson for him, what then is Crusoe's only source of property? Production. The only thing left to him is to produce property, just as Robinson did. Or, of course, he can starve. Remember, property does not exist in nature. Only raw materials exist in nature. Sea, water, land, trees, rocks, vines, leaves, etc. And it is human action in the form of primary property, ideas and actions, that alter raw materials and transform them into what we call natural resources or usable materials. If Crusoe makes up his mind to produce property on his own, he also has something else working for him that most people in the real world do not have. Crusoe has complete control over his property. Is Robinson going to steal from Crusoe? No, of course not. Robinson is a producer. Robinson produces his own property. He has no need to do that. And there are no other people on the island. So Crusoe has complete control over his property. And what do we call that? We call that liberty. Liberty is defined as the condition that exists when an individual has full 100% control over his property. Crusoe has liberty and thus has nothing impeding his ability to succeed. But let me ask you this question. At this point, for which of our two characters will most people feel sympathy? It's not Robinson, is it? No, it's Crusoe. And not only will all the sympathy be felt for Crusoe, a proven moocher, an attempted thief, an attempted murderer, but Crusoe will be considered the cold, hungry, disadvantaged, and abused victim of Robinson. Robinson, on the other hand, despite providing for Crusoe for three years, and despite offering to teach Crusoe the skills he would need to produce and succeed, Robinson is depicted as a rich, undeserving, and selfish man who tyrannically insists that Crusoe work for the maintenance of his own life. And the cry goes out, What are you going to do, Robinson? Let Crusoe starve? That's just evil. But again, I say this, before Crusoe will starve, he will try his hand at production. It may be difficult for him in the beginning because he's never produced before, but soon he'll get better at it. And production may even become a habit with him. And as we saw in the first two endings of our story, Crusoe will have a very, very large incentive to get into the habit of production very soon. On top of that, he'll also have optimum incentive to produce because he possesses liberty. But of course, the arguments against these facts will arise, as they always do, and I call these lifeboat cases. But what about the guy who can't because X, Y, or Z? 
right? It's common knowledge that property must be taken from the rich and given to the deserving poor. So what do we do in situations like this? What if Crusoe gets injured and can't produce? What if Crusoe gets sick and can't produce? What if Crusoe gets too old and can't produce? What if Crusoe is too stupid to produce enough? Well, first I would ask you to consider the source of the common knowledge that property must be stolen from the producers in order to prevent the unfortunates from starving. Is that source not always the same? It is either the recipients of that theft or the thieves themselves that are always the source of such common knowledge. But second and much more important is this. Every one of these problems can be morally solved without the use of either theft or force. And if you continue to look through the tube by listening to the Rational Apprentice podcast, I'll answer each and every one of these questions and prove that they can be solved morally. No Mind Over Murder this week. We are just ramping back up and getting things back out. All right, everyone, that'll do it for today. Let me remind you that in order to get the weekly Mind Over Murder case notes, you'll need to sign up for the weekly Substack newsletter. In addition to the Mind Over Murder case notes, we'll have studies, practices, courses, and bonus materials coming out in the near future, and I know you're going to want to get a hold of those when they come out. So head on over to therationalapprentice.substack.com to sign up for free right now. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.